lying in bed, recovering from COVID, I picked up this birthday present that had been left unread for a few months to return to the land of Earthsea once more. A place that I hadn't visited for over two decades. I've only read this book once. I've never returned to it. Was it because it was too sad? Was it because it was too real? Was it because I found that Ursula Le Guin was peering right into my heart when I read it all those years ago, seeing my journey in figuring out what it meant to be a human? 28 pages in, and I knew why I stopped reading. The library was a refuge for many of us, the place where chaos was ordered by the magical Dewey Decimal System. You could escape the loudness of your world, you could put away your school bag, your hat, and settle down in a quiet corner with books. You could enter new worlds just by opening a front page. Worlds where the little people were heroes, where if you entered a tunnel, you may find an adventure waiting. Your life was no longer just sitting behind a desk, but you were traveling to Mont Blanc with Alex Ryder, or flying around the world in 80 days on a balloon, or sitting in a library with Matilda, knowing that this was your place and it's okay. And adventure is going to be just around the corner. It didn't matter who you were, how you were brought up, whatever fortune or misfortune you faced, you were part of a story. And for a moment, in the quiet corner with books, you learnt how to be brave. If Hermione, Harry and Ron, Bilbo and Frodo or Harry McClary could get through whatever faced them, you could too. You stepped out of that library stronger, more resilient, and knowing that you are following possible footsteps of the brave, and you can face whatever injustice or evil that came your way. Kate DiCamillo, a famous author who wrote the books The Tale of Despero, Flora and Ulysses, and her latest book, The Beatrice Prophecy, was interviewed on one of my favourite podcasts, On Being, with Krista Tippett. She talked about her childhood best friend, who used to read Charlotte's Web over and over again. And when she got to the very end, she would go back to the very start again. Even in a story that ended in tragedy, death and loss, by reading it again and again, her friend built resilience to face it. The patterns of our world seem to be painted between the lines of a children's novel so that the more we read, the more we can face 
tomorrow, whatever tomorrow may bring. The stories we carry with us from our childhood, their patterns become patterns we follow. Their voices become internal voices that speak to us in our highs and lows. And time and time again, we might return to them in our imagination or in picking up the tattered, well-read books, seeking comfort and hope. Peter Pan, Selby the Talking Dog, Pippi Longstockings, Huckleberry Finn, Samiad, and the Wishing Chair. And when we read them again, we might find gems that we had overlooked in our youths, phrases and words that, as an older person, means so much more. How short words between two children as they discussed what it meant to be friends, or when a mage described the very fabric of magic, words that were understood when we were children, shine in so much more brilliance when viewed from the lens of experience. Madeleine Langle, novelist and beautiful writer, famous for her science fiction and fantasy novels like A Wrinkle in Time and And Both Were Young, once wrote, If the book will be too difficult for grown-ups, then you write it for children. My good friend Matt, a researcher in poop science in Michigan, America, mailed me a copy of The Wizard of Earth Sea for my birthday last year, a book that he'd been reading. The last time I read it was when I was 10. It's a story of becoming, a young person navigating the liminal space between childhood and adulthood, discovering who he was and how he related with those around him, figuring out the implications of actions and that maturity in being human is not only choosing to do what is good, but in the face of our own misdeeds, we need to write them, bear the consequences and continue to do what is good and loving. Lying in bed, recovering from COVID, I picked up this birthday present that had been left unread for a few months to return to the land of Earth Sea once more. A place that I hadn't visited for over two decades. Because unlike other favourites like a Wrinkle in Time or Goodnight Mr. Tom, I've only read this book once. I've never returned to it. Was it because it was too sad? Was it because it was too real? Was it because I found that Ursula Le Guin was peering right into my heart when I read it all those years ago, seeing my journey in figuring out what it meant to be a human? 28 pages in, and I knew why I stopped reading. The Wizard of Earthsea tells of the early life of the main character, Ged, or Sparrowhawk, who finds himself having a deep power and connection with the ancient magic of Earthsea. 
Ged in the beginning was guided by the great Gontish wizard Ogion, who is famed to have quieted an earthquake by speaking the soft name of the mountains. But in the months of walking under the trees, sleeping under the rain, collecting flowers, herbs and fruit, this great wizard Ogion didn't speak a single mighty word to move aside a storm, but slept under the rain. Didn't start a fire with only a glare, but by hand, and only ate what they could catch. Didn't summon a wild beast for food with a name. Young Ged and the great Gontish wizard just lived an ordinary life, walking in silence, eating in front of the hearth, sheltering under a tree. Ged's only task, as he was supposed to learn wizardry, was to learn the names and purposes of every plant that they encountered. And Ged grew increasingly frustrated. He wanted to learn everything now. He wanted to be powerful and be mighty and stop an earthquake with a word. But it seemed that Ogion had taught him nothing. Finally, the frustration seeped out as Ged accused Ogion of teaching him absolutely nothing. But Ogion the Great Mage treats him with respect and gives him a choice. Stay with him and learn slowly or go to Roke Island where he can learn quickly from a school of mages and wizards. Ursula Le Guin writes, Ged stood dumb, his heart bewildered. He had come to love this man, Ogion, who had no anger. He loved him and had not known it until now. He yearned to stay with Ogion, to go wandering through the forests with him, long and far, learning how to be silent. Yet other cravings were in him that would not be stilled. The wish for glory, the will to act. Ogion's seemed a long road towards mastery, a slow bypath to follow. And so Ged chose the seemingly faster route rather than the long road. As a child, I was a hundred percent behind Ged, was so frustrated in the very same way that he was. And I was equally disappointed that the choice that he makes here, this faster route of going to, of going to the, of going to Roke Island was filled with perhaps more foolish mistakes. Why couldn't he fully control the power that he had? Why did his emotions drive him to make such spontaneous decisions and ill-advised actions that he would ultimately regret? And why did he have to carry these consequences for the rest of his life? But then, when I read this as an adult in the last couple of weeks, it made sense. The choice of the quicker path of learning, technique and knowledge 
didn't necessarily make it a path of mastery. Learning to be a way, learning to be a mage was more than just knowing the skills or spells. Mastery over knowledge and power was not just technique. Mastery was the wisdom of when to use power, how to use power, and really when not to use power. Ojion's slow path of living with the seasons, sleeping under the rain without controlling it, gathering food without summoning it, lighting fires with bare hands, was teaching true mastery. The mastery of wisdom, of when to use power, and being content with that which is given to us. The mastery of wisdom, of whether or not power needed to be used. A mastery of an understanding that everything is given. A mastery of contentment. It's a wisdom of knowing that actions have natural consequences. And only when we sit and observe the interplay of our world in slowness and silence, do we begin to see how our lives, our world, plays in its intricate ways. There is life and death. There is winter and summer, rain and sun. Only when we know the patterns and rules can we begin to learn to break them and the dire consequences that might occur. Ged's desire of the fast path and the frustration of the slow path were my frustrations, and equally, all our frustrations. As young people, we're tired of being young. We're tired of not being tall enough to go to that ride or old enough to watch that movie. There are always barriers, and we begin to believe that only by breaking barriers can we truly progress. But sometimes... Barriers are there for a reason. And to truly break a barrier, we need to learn them, observe them, and live in them. Or we may commit the very same injustices as those who have created these barriers. The more I read as an adult, the more I realised why I never returned to the Wizard of Earthsea. Because Gerd was a reflection of me. And perhaps as a child, I realized that Gerd was this mirror image, that I was equally impatient, spontaneous, wanting quick results. If I can get the technique right or the knowledge correct, and then I assumed that that's it. Yet time and time again, the right technique and the correct knowledge didn't create the deeper things that I desired. Love, compassion, kindness, friendship, beauty, 
satisfaction. I remember my woodworking teacher commenting in my report card in ninth grade, Sam is brilliant in his skills with woodwork, but he needs to develop his patience with the craft. Patience, time, and elbow grease is needed to develop mastery. And patience is needed to develop the beginning of a lifelong mastery of living deep. How do we become patient? Unfortunately, perhaps the impatient path of Ged is the path that paradoxically leads to patience. Only by making all the mistakes that he makes, making all the wrong choices, only by moving forward and facing all that he's done and carrying the consequences, does Ged begin to know who he is and who he wants to be. Only by contemplation, with eyes opened, with ears open and dialogue, does he begin to realise how each decision that he makes would lead him either closer to good or evil, love or hate, compassion or vengeance. And it's only through the path of slow learning do we become slow learners. And the irony is, it's the choice of being impatient and the mistakes that followed that slowly began to create the patient get. And perhaps that is the path of every human being. Perhaps the path of being humbled in our pride being frustrated by our limitedness, being held back because of the barriers, is the path needed to learn the patience we need in our lives. We will only learn to slow down when we run for a thousand miles an hour and realize that this speed is unsustainable. When we get glass in our foot, mold in our books, COVID in our lungs, and have to lie in bed in exhaustion. Perhaps only then do we know how to slow down. Couldn't the quicker path lead to greater mastery? Why does the path of love, compassion, maturity need to be long and twisting, at times dry and brittle and devoid of comfort? Could we have learned patience in any other way? Could Ged? But then, had Ged chosen to follow Ogion on page 28 and not gone to Roke Island, there would have been a completely different Ged and would have been a completely different book and a completely different story.